Welcome to the Honeycomb Podcast with Sydney and Tacey. We can't wait to chat with you. Hi, sweet honeybees. Welcome back to our sixth episode of the podcast, which is so crazy. Um, This week is particularly exciting because we have a special honeybee buzzing in. Her name is Cynthia Maselli, and um, we are so thankful that she's here, and it is such an honor to have her on the podcast, just sharing all of her truth and wisdom, and God just really speaks through her. Um, so she is um, the founder of Her Gathering, which is actually um, how I met her um, kind of started a mentor relationship so she's one of my mentors and I love her so much and I'm so excited for what she's going to share with us today. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you ladies for having me. Of course. I'm like jumping with joy right now. <laughs> and Sid and I are together in person for the first time I know out of all the episodes recording so this is just so many little celebrations today. Yes. Love it. So today we're talking about, as you guys probably know from the title of the podcast, but um, what God says about the enemy. So I think that this topic is so relevant and so real, um, especially today, especially what's going on in the world. Um, so we have just been praying that this episode... Um, is fruitful and truthful and from the heart of God. Um, And I think that that topic is just what a lot of people need to hear, me especially. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. So, Cynthia, do you want to hop in to all your things? Well, I think the first thing I always like to say about to people is that whenever we're talking about the enemy, we want to make sure that he doesn't become the focus of our attention because to focus on something is to elevate something. And that is not what I'm trying to give him airtime for. I simply like to address who he is, what he does, and how we can recognize him at work. My godfather is a retired colonel from the Marines or was in the Marines. And I asked him about, um, you know, when you're going into war, because uh, he was in Vietnam War and he actually almost lost his life in that war. And I asked him, you know, with so much experience, I knew that by having a conversation with him, I could draw um, in a spiritual sense, you know, the wisdom and the strategy that they use in, you know, the physical realm. And so I asked him, I said, you know, before you go into war or if, if we've been attacked, what is the first thing you do? And he says, you have to know who the enemy is. And some of the key elements he said is you have to know who the enemy is. You have to know what they're capable of. And then you have to also know what their objective or plans are. And immediately after he said that, I thought, okay, this is gold because this is exactly what we need to do when it comes to the enemy in the spiritual sense. The first problem is many don't even acknowledge that he's real. They don't believe that there's evil, but how can you have good and not have evil? It doesn't make sense. So 
to, you know, that's why we need to be aware of him and what he's capable of. What is his objective? And we see this in the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. In the beginning, in the garden, they were in perfect oneness with God. They walked with him in the garden and the enemy came in. He was a serpent and he planted seeds of doubt about what God said. So that is one of the things that we know that the enemy does. That's the first and oldest trick in his book is to make us doubt who God is, what he says. And um, when we have seeds of doubt, we make space for him. You know, just think about when you start to doubt things, what happens right after all these other thoughts started to come in, right? And it changes our perspective. And so that's one of the biggest things he's after is he wants us to, he wants to um, basically distance us from God. And he also wants to cause doubt. And once he can get a foothold into any kind of area like those, then he'll go into his next attack. So the key is, is that we have to know who he is because we have to know what it is that he's always capable of. And we have to know our weaknesses because he's very strategic. So one of the things about the enemy is that he is not original in what he does. And he is not creative. God is. God is the original creative. But the enemy is a copycat. He imitates. And what he does is he makes things so close to God's truth that it will throw us off if we don't know God's truth. And again, we see this with Eve. He came to her and questioned her, but did God really say? And because God actually told Adam and then Adam told Eve what God said, because she wasn't there when uh, God told Adam, do not eat from the fruit of that tree, that there was that doubt. We see Eve's humanness, if you will, come to surface and she fell for it. She took the bait and then the rest is history. Wow. I'm like sitting here, I'm like... Uh, I need to listen to that all again. <laughs> yes. And you know, one of the things too is I, I think it's really important. So for whoever may be listening, my background is that my God, my grandfather was a pastor. He was a first generation pastor. And I share that because, um, so often I had come across people who knew my background, but they didn't know me yet. So they assume things about me. They would assume there's no way she could understand what I've gone through because she grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. So what experiences could she possibly have? And that couldn't be so far from the truth. Now, while there are some very traumatic experiences that I know people have gone through that I, I surely cannot relate to, none of us mm -hmm. can say we've gone through every experience in the book. Um, but I have gone through my own experiences, and I did, where it... You know, there was things that I dealt with severe panic and anxiety attacks mm -hmm. for 25 years. I had um, problems with my immune system because I had so much stress in my body, but I didn't know this at the time. And I was always sick. Um, people that I, you know, grew up believing I could trust, my own blood were my very worst enemies. Um, I was criticized for things that I couldn't control, like my body. And I mean, Honestly, as a kid, we, you know, we all are going through that awkward stage. And so we're all growing into our body and, and there's not, there's not that confidence, right? So I had extreme self-hate for myself in my teens that I just thought suicide was probably the best answer. And I had thoughts of suicide cross my mind. And I was accidentally overdosed by a doctor that it nearly killed me. 
So I could go on with the list. And the reason I share this is not for any sympathy or any such thing, but it's we all have our stories and we all have to come to know Jesus in our own way. And that was, this is a part of my story. And so I try to walk away from God um, in my early 20s after my grandfather passed because there were so many things that didn't add up. And one of the greatest um, tactics of the enemy is, again, the doubt. So I struggled with, if God is real, then, you know, fill in the blank. And I think we could all relate to that. And in fact, I had a profound conversation with this man. Um, I was walking with my husband and some family at the time, and we were in a park. And I saw this booth set up and there's a lot of people being drawn to it. And in big, huge letters, it was the words atheist. And so basically this was a huge organization um, of atheists. And so I felt in my spirit, and this was a few years ago that God said, go and speak to them. And immediately I panicked because I thought, what am I going to say to them? I, I didn't feel confident, you know, feel, I'm like, I'm not a theologian, God, what could I possibly say that would, you know, change their minds or how would they even view me? They will probably hate me. And I had all these doubts cross my mind. And so, but I knew God enough at that point that I thought I'm just going to be obedient and I'm going to take a chance. So my husband stood, you know, far enough, but close enough to be able to see what was going on. And I went up to him, um, this man that was the only one that was available. What I didn't know is he was the leader of the entire organization. And so I proceeded to have a conversation with him. But before we had the conversation, I, I was praying, of course, in my head, like, God, what do I say? How do I start this conversation? There were many people around at this point. And immediately I noticed a white Bible in front of this man. And I thought, well, this is ironic. Why would he have a Bible here of all the places? Um, and so he came up to me and he's like, hi, you know, how, do you have any questions? Is there any information that we can give you? And I just simply asked him like, I'm just curious. I go, um, why do you have a Bible? And so we proceeded into this conversation I told him I was a Christian, um, but I simply wanted to have a conversation with him. I wanted to know his story. And as he shared his story, what I discovered is that the reason that he no longer believed in God was simply because he actually didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with God. So when I was having a conversation with him, I asked him, I said, because he would repeat to me, I've said all these prayers in the Bible. I've said, our father. And this happened to me, that happened to me. And I just, God just dropped it in my mind. Ask him, ask him this question. So I just simply asked him, I said, can I, I just want to ask you this simple question. Have you ever just had a conversation with God? And he looked at me as though I just said the most foreign thing to him. And in that moment, I realized so often we do the religion practices of Christianity. You know, we say that our fathers or um, we pray certain times a day, or, you know, we think we have to go to church enough times and we have to check off all these to do's. And then somehow it's like God's his genie. And then he grants us our wish, but that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity has turned into religion by man, but it was always a relationship intended with God. And we see that in the beginning with Adam and Eve.
Stacy and I are just, just sitting here like, um, <laughs> can we just sit and talk with to Cynthia church? all day? <laughs> oh, God just goodness. speaks through you so boldly and like vividly. Well, thank you. And you know, I've gone through a lot in life, but I've also learned by watching many. And so the stories of my grandfather and the stories that he would share from his own ministry that I would honestly ask him over and over and over again as a kid, because I loved him, you know, him praying for people and them coming back from dead to life, um, praying for the possessed people, praying for those that were foaming at the mouth that tried to jump on him and attack him. And yet God showed up every single time. Um, all these stories, the stories that we read about in the Bible, I knew they were true, but until we get our perspective in alignment with how God intended it for it to be, mm -hmm. then we will always have this room for the enemy to come in. And so when I launched her gathering, God gave me two very important questions. So he basically had me ask the women, who do you say that I am? And by I, he meant him, Jesus specifically. And we see this in the New Testament when Jesus was with his disciples and he asked them, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And this would be the revelation um, for where people stand in their view, perspective, or relationship with God. How do you view God? Do you view him because you've read about him? Or do you know him because of a relationship with him? See, I could, I know Sydney because I've spent time with her and I've talked with her. And Tacey, I'm just getting to know you, but I couldn't confidently mm -hmm. say, I know you, right? And yeah. so there's a, there's a level of difference. And so you know, you, um, Sydney and Tacey, you, you know each other well because of the time you've spent with each other. If one of you calls the other, you don't even have to look at the caller ID if that wasn't a thing these days. And you can listen on the phone just by your hello and know exactly who that person is on the line. It's the same thing with God. Do we know his voice when he speaks to us? That's often a struggle for so many is they think they don't hear God, but maybe they do. They just don't recognize his voice. And the second question was, who do you say that you are, as in you and I? So when I was a teen, I didn't know who I was because I took on the labels, the criticisms, the opinions of others, and I made that my identity, which is why I had so much self-hatred for myself. I hated everything about myself. And it's funny because I laugh today because I have people that have told me, you know, that have called me in that you know, 11th hour of the night and, you know, they're crying and they're stressed out or they're worried or they're going through something. And they've told me, I can't tell you how calming and soothing your voice is. And it makes me laugh now because as a kid, I hated my voice. I thought my voice was just bad for no other reason other than I believe so many other things about myself. I couldn't see anything good. And I just think if we were to think today of something that we hated when we were a kid. I wonder how many times people have told you how good that thing is now. Maybe it's a talent, maybe it's a skill, maybe it's your voice, maybe it's the way you think, maybe it's how you write, what you write. Those things that God placed in us for a purpose that the enemy tried to make us hate or distort them in our perspective are now the very things that we're getting to see the fruit of as we are in relationship with other people and as we walk out our calling that God has given us. That makes me think of like just my perfectionism mm -hmm. and the root that the enemy 
had in that for so long and like twisting and turning and like lying and deceiving and then creating doubt, doubt, doubt. It was like a deep hole. And then whenever I fell into that hole, I not only couldn't like get out myself because um, Jesus, by his grace through faith, saved me, got me out, but just how we as humans on earth can, you know, fall into the hands of the enemy. That's so good. And so here's a little twist. What if I said your perfection wasn't a problem, but it may be an indication of a spirit of excellence that God has placed in you? That changes everything, right? Because I dealt with perfectionism. And perfectionism can come from different roots. For me, it came from the lack of control that I had, which is also where my anxiety and our, my panic attacks stem from. But as I struggled and I wrestled with God, I'm like, why why did you make me a perfectionist? You know, because we want to blame God for everything that's wrong with us, right? Because he made us. So why couldn't he make this perfect version of us? But the fact is, is that we co-labor with God in the work that he's given us, as well as in our growth and our own development, because God's a God of free will. So he's not going to force us. If he wanted perfection, he would have made us to be these like perfect walking robots. But then that goes against the very core essence of who he is, which is love. Love gives us free will. And so he made us with our weaknesses and our strengths, but in our weaknesses, that's where we seek Jesus because that's who we can turn to so he can help us to be more perfected in those weaknesses the way he wants us to work it out. And so when I was talking with God about perfectionism, he gave me this perspective of what if it wasn't perfectionism? Perfectionism is obviously in a negative sense. But what mm-hmm. if what if he viewed it as a spirit of excellence? Because God does everything with excellence. He is a God of integrity. He is a God of honor. He is a God of truth. He is a God of love. He is a God of pureness and everything that's holy and beautiful and perfect. And ap- after that moment, it changed everything. So I thought, okay, so if I've dealt with perfectionism, let me go to the root of where that came from. Because we need to get to the root of the lies. And that's what I learned even with my um, panic and anxiety attacks. I worked with the trauma therapist for a few sessions and it helped me to have a different perspective. And so after I had worked with her, God really set me free in that I have been completely healed. 25 plus years of dealing with severe panic and anxiety attacks are now gone. And that is you know, to the credit of God, but he can work through people and he can help us. There's medicine, you know, there's um, professionals that God has gifted and given these Mm. incredible talents and wisdom to come alongside of us and help us. But through it all though, I always encourage people, remember at the core of it all, we need to seek God first and we need to always give God glory first because all the good things come from him. You know, all the good things come from him. And so when we look at um, how the enemy operates, we have to realize that he's an opportunist. He takes advantage whenever and wherever he can. And so um, when we recognize this, we will also see that we need to pay attention to our weaknesses 
as I said, God showed me, okay, so you see perfectionism, but I see a spirit of excellence. And so I needed to hone that. I needed to back off my attempt to control, and I needed mm-hmm. to surrender to what God wanted to show me through every situation or through every season. And so that has freed me. I don't have that pressure to be perfect because perfection is overrated and it just weighs us down. But see, that's why God's truth is, it sets us free, but we have to know God's truth and God's truth is his word. And if we don't know the word, then we will believe the enemy because the enemy knows the Bible inside and out, backwards and forwards. But the thing is, He cannot speak or repeat God's word because it's truth. And the enemy, as we know, is the father of lies. And so we see that. um, I wrote the scripture down. I wanted to share it exactly how it is. So in John 8, 44, it says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he cannot speak the truth. It goes against the enemy's very nature. And when we realize that, we should question every time he tries to make us believe something because nothing of what he says is ever the truth. But it comes down to, again, those two questions. Who do you say he is, which is Jesus, and who do you say you are? And those are the foundation that God showed me that we would build the rest of our life upon until we are confronted and we accept the truth. Oh so powerful. And just like hearing all of this, it just reminds me because um, I feel like you just have to, or I have to tell myself to discern the voice in your head because again he twists it so much he gets so close to the truth that it feels like it's your own voice or it feels like it's your own weight to carry when it's 150 percent not it is the enemy so it's like okay zoom out whose voice is this how close is it to getting to mine and what again i think about myself okay well if what i think about myself is not in line with what god says about me then, you know, you just have to keep digging and getting to the root of, again, being in God's word because God's word will flesh out anything that is not in line with that. So this is just an encouragement even to just continue to go back to what we know in the word of God. Mm-hmm. And the basics too, right? Like, mm-hmm. exactly. Like just with um, church or religion mm-hmm. and how, you know, man-made religion and it's more focused on oh what what am I doing Mm -hmm. like for God versus like what am I doing with God like Mm -hmm. what am I doing um to spend time with the Lord so that I know his voice and I can discern and like have an exit in my brain for like the lies of the enemy like not even yes. giving it airtime in my brain or my thoughts or the holy temple that is my body of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, and just like really tuning into that instead of um, the trap that the enemy wants us to be in and the cycle. And Cynthia, mm-hmm. I know you've talked about um, like the enemy will show his hand and will 
reveal his hand and he always works in cycles. And so if we identify the root and the root of a cycle, then the enemy no longer has a foothold on whatever is enslaving us. Exactly. Um, what you just said is one of my favorite things that has been so eye-opening for so many is that the enemy will always reveal his hand in every situation. But the thing is, is he likes to create chaos because that's what he does. Chaos, destruction, disorder, lies, manipulation, violence, death, killing, all of these things. So when we see these things at play, we have to pray and give it a moment to settle because the enemy is not going to just come out and reveal himself necessarily. You have to look for his fingerprints. And I do the same even with God. I can see God's fingerprints in my story and I point them out in other people's stories to show them and encourage them. Look at how God has been with you. We want God to show up a certain way. And if he doesn't show up a certain way, then well, you know, God wasn't there or he didn't hear me. But when we know God's truths and we are confident in our identity, I mean, just think about it. When someone goes to a party, let's say, and they're very insecure, most people can tell, right? Because they mm -hmm. withdraw, they stay to themselves. When they talk, there's this doubt every time they're speaking. Um, they almost apologize for things that they say. There's things that you can notice about somebody who's insecure. If we can notice this in the physical realm, how much more can the enemy see this when he sees our behind the scenes every day, when he can hear our words? So here's one important thing I want to know is that God is able to hear our thoughts. We can actually have conversations with God in our mind, mm -hmm. as well as speaking them out loud. But the enemy does not have access to our mind. He only plants the seeds in our mind and mm -hmm. the way that he knows that it works is whether or not we take action on them. So if he's putting a seed of doubt, he knows that it works by what we say or what we do. And that's very important because um, so many people get afraid, like, well, how do I know if the enemy is like messing with my mind? Well, I go, what are your thoughts? What are the thought patterns? And then when it comes to the enemy revealing his hand, every single time I have yet to see this fail. I will always, if I'm walking through a situation with someone and, you know, they're sharing with me what's going on, they tell me the story and more times than not, if they're deep enough into that situation, I can point out the fingerprints of the enemy and his hand at work. Again, it's back to his character, the manipulation, the lies, the deceit. And here, I'll give you a practical example. So one day I was facing this really difficult, um, situation in my own family and it was extended family and um somebody had called me this person had called me and was trying to you know tell me like you know what you're wrong in doing this and that and i was listening to them because you know i'm a firm believer when you know the truth you can confidently have conversations with those who don't agree with you this can apply mm -hmm. to any situation and so i was listening to this person tell me what they wanted to tell me and get it off their chest I could sense there was a lot of emotion and they hit this one point though, that was very true. Again, the enemy knows the Bible inside and out. And they said this one particular thing that made me pause. And they said, they also followed up with, well, God told me. So when someone tells you, God told me this or that, 
people like to use it to give them that credibility. Now, sometimes it is true and sometimes it's not. I got off that call and I was really struggling with that conversation because I thought, well, I know, I know X, Y, and Z of this conversation, but that one point got to me, got to my heart. And I thought, God, I don't want to not walk, you know, in your will. And I don't, I want to make sure that I'm checking myself, that this isn't pride or anything of me. And so I prayed about it and I'll never forget. I, it just a strong thought came to mind and it was, did he ask me? And because the person I was talking to is male. And the thought, did he ask me, just kept playing in my head over and over and over again. And I remembered the person's words. God told me this, that, and that. And it dawned on me, and I'm like, wait a minute. So I got on a call. I requested to get on a call with this person. And I said, okay, I've listened to everything you said, and I appreciate what you're sharing. I need to ask you this question. And this person was a Christian. I said, with God as our witness, when you said God told me, and I repeated the exact quote of what this person said, I said, did you ask, actually ask God? Silence. I realized that that was actually a lie. The person did not actually hear or ask God that. That's why God, first of all, didn't accuse. He ne God never told me he's lying. That Accuser name belongs to the enemy. So mm -hmm. while we're on earth here, we God is never accusing us. Jesus is never accusing us. If anything, he is fighting for us and trying to help us to, per, to seek him, to know his truth so that we can identify the right accuser. Because so many times that we want to blame God and we want to act as though God is judging us right now. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. So back to the story. I, I, as soon as I said this to the person, they were silent. And then I said, you know what? We ended the conversation well, but God showed me. He never asked me. He just told you that. And had I not prayed, had I not sat quietly before God to, to really meditate on that conversation and to really come, you know, pure hearted before God and say, God, if I am at fault, I need you to reveal this to me because what is at stake is critical right? It's, you know, family relationships. It's, there's a lot on the line. I didn't want to mess up. And so God met me where I was at. And so when we come, you know, humbly before God and we genuinely want to know his truth, he will tell us the truth. And so right away, God showed me that the enemy was at work behind the scenes. And again, he had revealed the enemy's hand to me. And so I started to pay attention to, okay, well, when people say something, pay attention to what they say and also what they do. There's always mm -hmm. a consistency. and You can know people, again, like the Bible says, by their fruit. And so we need to look for the enemy's hand. That's why we need to be careful when we see things happening as we do in the world that we live in right now. It's a perfect example. Before we jump on any bandwagon, we need to think critically and we need to pray. And we need to wait to see when God reveals the enemy's hand and he'll reveal it. But the question then is, are we praying and discerning for when it's revealed so that we can see it? Or will we be stuck in our own mindset and perspective and judgment and decide for ourselves, this is God or this is not? 
So wow. <laughs> I'm like, that just spoke so into so many good. things that Tacey and I are just like walking through mm-hmm. or going through right now. Such an incredible reminder because it, that's 100% so real. Mm-hmm. And I feel like not only like my life, but to whoever's listening right now too, like your life too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the opportunity that we we get to have because of free will because God loves us so much that we have the choice to choose Mm -hmm. and like live a life with God and I think growing up I was always kind of thinking I was raised in like a Lutheran church and um something big that was kind of just taught was oh like when you get to heaven or like Mm -hmm. when you you know, reach that point when you get to the eternal, then you'll be with Jesus. Then you'll be with God. It's like, no, we get to live a with God kind of life right now, like on earth, like have a relationship with him, get to know him, have deep, like conversations with the Lord. Like he knows everything about us, but it makes it that much more special because he he never separates himself from us we're always the one who's like slowly like stepping away from god or it's like in my life too i'm like oh god like why are you so distant or like why am i not hearing from you and it's like actually that's me that's me distancing myself from the lord that's me getting caught up in um the enemy's lies and you know stepping away from God and God's like always here he's like right there like trying to like bring me back it's like he will go for the one like he will leave the 99 behind and go seek the one like he's seeking us like seek and you will find like God is always pursuing us no matter what we do or don't do yeah and then that's where the lies and doubt come in of oh God where are you that's just like doubt factor that you were talking about earlier Cynthia yeah I mean and the truth is God never moves so then what does that say about us Mm -hmm. like you said Sydney it's us that we're distancing ourselves, and Mm -hmm. doubt does that doubt can either excuse me doubt can either do one of two things it can deepen our relationship with God it gives us that opportunity Mm -hmm. to dive deeper into finding out more about God and ourselves and the situation or it's the opportunity that the devil uses to distance us from him. And I like this quote from um, a writer, theologian, and one of the most prolific writers of all time. His name was G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton. <laughs> um, mm. And he says, when, God, when the belief in God becomes difficult, the tendency is to turn away from him. But in heaven's name, to what? It's like, what else but God, right? Isn't that so powerful? Mm -hmm. Uh, What other option do we have other than God? It's it's one of two kingdoms. We're either serving the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of heaven and light. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things that people struggle with is believing the lie that our prayer doesn't work. Or again, if God is real, then why? Fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And... That's where we have the free will 
to choose how we want to write the story or co-author the story. God knows what we're going to choose. And I talked about this in her gathering and you might remember Sydney, but um, we have the free will and we get to choose again um, how our story is going to end. And that's why there's so many profound, amazing testimonies of people that walked away from God um, or, and they come back or they never knew God. And then they realize what freedom and love and joy and peace is. And so one of the things, again, about the enemy that I want to also highlight, highlight is that the enemy is like a roaring lion. So he's all bark, no bite. He doesn't have that power. And God took all the power away from him because Jesus already had the authority. Sorry. So Jesus already had the authority. Authority is given. And authority, the greater the authority the greater the source of the authority, the greater the authority. So God is the greatest source of authority. God gave Jesus this authority. And when Jesus defeated hell by raising up, right, from being dead, that is when the enemy and hell realized they lost. That was their losing point to be known. Like it was the mark. The whole time as they were setting Jesus up, or so they thought, God was using all of them like chess pieces to accomplish his will because his God's will was to be able to give man, you and me, an opportunity to have a relationship with him one-on-one -on -one like there was never before. That's why in the Old Testament, it was full of bloodshed and war and sacrifice because of the fall of man, which was Adam and Eve. So God knew there needed to be a redemption. There needed to be a redeeming part of the story because he didn't want heaven without us. And so he sent Jesus, his only son, to die on that cross. And the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives with us today. So how can we live on earth and think that we should only walk around defeated? And if there's ever anything holding anyone back, so for anyone that's listening, if you see, as Sydney mentioned before, a cycle in your life, a pattern, even a generational pattern or behavior, or I would even say addiction, take note, those are the fingerprints of the enemy. And somewhere along the line, somebody gave access to him by sinning, by taking, you know, blatant opportunity in works of darkness. So anytime we sin, we make a contract with the enemy, or if we willingly participate, that's why this new age movement is so dangerous and many Christians are falling for it left and right because they are being deceived. But if we go back to the Bible, we will see the enemy mimic what God did. Um, we see that with Moses. We see how Pharaoh had the magicians and his workers copycat that which Moses did. So we know that the enemy has uh, a power because the power isn't taken. And I actually did a whole study on this in her gathering um, in our Power and Authority series to be able to distinguish the difference between the two. And so, again, when we study the word and we read the stories in the Bible, we can see where the enemy is at work. And even in the book of Esther, which is my favorite book of the Bible, Growing up, I was like, I want to be Esther um, because she was just so courageous and brave and heroic. But the interesting thing is that God is never mentioned in that entire book. And yet, 
we read that she was used, right? We see implications of the faith um, of her uncle that was advising her on what to do and how to go about things. But we also read the most powerful thing she did was she went into fasting. So that's how she was able to defeat um, the enemy that was at play. And I always was fascinated with that book because I realized we can live a life where people don't have to necessarily be hearing us say God's name. But if we can walk it out like Jesus did, if we can be um, the God that they won't read about in the Bible because they won't go to church or they won't pick up a Bible, but they see there's something different, something powerful in us, they are likely to come and ask us, what is it about you? And I've actually had this happen to me. Or people would find out I'm a Christian after they've seen how I lived mm -hmm. and they go, oh, that's why you're so different. And to me, that's the greatest compliment. I'd rather not preach mm -hmm. about God to somebody's face. And I'd rather them spend time with me, have conversation with me, hear my heart. And that's honestly the most powerful witness or testimony that we can have. Because today where we have social media, we have scriptures thrown in our face and posts. And while they're good, there are so many that will never give those posts the time of day. Because they have hurt and they have pain with the church. Mm -hmm the people, the leadership in the church, or even with God. But the only reason they have pain with God um, is because they, God, in their eyes, their perspective, didn't hold up his end of the bargain or the deal, um, or they have believed the lies and they're refusing. But most people that, have, that say they don't believe in God, so in order to not believe in God means that you have to actually believe God exists. Because how can you not believe in something that you truly don't believe in? Mm -hmm. So when we think about that alone, anybody who says, I don't believe in God, well, you already know that they, that's already an insight that something happened in their life. And that, these are the keys that I look for when I speak with people. That's why listening to someone's story is so powerful. And also why asking questions is everything. So I get questions all the time, but I always want to be clearing. I want to have clarification of what exactly they're asking. Because oftentimes, you know, communication is a very difficult form of language. We mm -hmm. intend to say things, but we don't always say it perfectly or how we want it to come across. So that's why when we're um, receiving the questions or being asked the questions, and actually one of my favorite theologians, Ravi Zacharias said this, he emphasizes this all the time is um, when someone asked him, you know, Basically, and this is my paraphrase, like, you know, how are you so smart? And he, again, in my paraphrase was like, I don't think I'm that smart. I just ask questions. And hearing him say that has changed how I approach um, conversations, especially the difficult ones, because so often the difficult ones are just layered with a bunch of pain and a bunch of hurt and question. But I want to get to the root of it. Like, where did that question start? And when you get to the root of it, then you can better address the actual question that they are intending or want to have answered. Yeah, and I think of like a weed too. It's like if you don't, yes. I like worked out with my grandparents this summer. And I like, they're older, so I mm -hmm. go pull weeds for them in their garden. It's like if I didn't get the root of the weed pulled up, then like next week when I went back, like it would be back. Exactly. So like if you don't find the root, if you're not searching for the 
like foundation Mm -hmm. of whatever that is then it's just going to keep building and building and building and there's going to be a whole long weed on top of that root yes and it'll choke out that flower yeah yes that connects to um something i heard from louis giglio Mm -hmm. passion city church was like thoughts come into our mind every day not all of them are from us or from God, again, discerning that voice. Some of them are from the enemy, but is up to us and like the power, like you said, of the Holy Spirit within us to discern which ones we water, which seeds we water. So it's like, no wonder these vicious cycles are coming back because for so long I've watered weeds, not the truths and the goodness and the flowers of Jesus. I've watered weeds and lies and deception of the enemy. So then Again, you have to break down, go back to the truth. I don't know, it's just so cool. All the things you're saying are just like connecting to what we've been talking about, what we've been hearing, and it's just such a real thing. The enemy is so real. I just don't think people realize how real he is. So even just knowing that he is real helps to heal and get him out. <laughs> like, yeah. you know? And if we don't identify a lie, mm. if we're not cognizant of oh well the enemy is the father of lies Mm -hmm. and we just go on living life then that lie in our life is going to become our truth yes yes like you said Cynthia like putting our identity like what did I find my identity in in Mm -hmm. high school it was like performance perfectionism like all these things but again it's like the lie that the enemy spins in order to like take us away from the good things of God Yes. Like he instilled a a heart and a talent for, hey, I I enjoy like making things excellent and doing my best mm-hmm. and like putting things out there that I am proud of and it's because of Jesus that I'm able to do that. Yeah. Instead of the lie like, oh, but like I'm a perfectionist and that's not good mm-hmm. and when I fall short Mm-hmm. then those lies have even more weight. Yeah, the vulnerable oh, moments. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think one of the most important things, though, because somebody might be listening and go, you know, how do I break free of the patterns or the cycles? Or once you identify the lie, what do I do? So the first thing is repent. And what you're repenting of is um, believing the lie that the enemy told you. So that you can break that tie. And you just, I mean, I remember when um, God was showing me lies that I had believed, again, because I had so much self-hatred, right? But yet God is the one that created me in my mother's womb. He knew me. He called me by name. He knew everything that would entail of my life. And so he knew at one point I would be confronted with the truth various times Mm -hmm. because I just needed that. Um, And so when I realized, for example, about my voice that I gave as an, as an example earlier, I repented. I said, God, I'm so sorry that I didn't think my voice was good enough. I'm so sorry. Forgive me for believing the lie. Forgive me for believing that it was better to be dead, but you came to give us life and life in abundance. So who am I to take my life? And if I would have done that, I would not be leading her gathering. I would not be married to my amazing husband. I would not be experiencing the joy of motherhood. 
so often we trap ourselves in one part of our season in our story and we think that that's it for the rest of our life and sometimes when things keep going over and over again like when i had my panic and anxiety attacks i kept begging god why don't you just heal me especially when i would see other people just get healed i had so many people lay hands on me what i would realize is that god was teaching me something for what he's called me into mm -hmm. So he was using what the enemy was trying to, to do to take me out, to make me feel discouraged, to make me feel helpless and hopeless, to make me doubt God's existence. God had a bigger plan and he was always at work. And one day there would be a suddenly, and suddenly I would be set free. And suddenly I would have revelation and clarity as to why certain things happen in my life. And so that's why I believe that it's so important that we pay attention to if we struggle with um, body image, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. If we struggle with not being smart enough, where did that come from? If we struggle with, you know, choosing the wrong person to date over and over and over again, where is that coming from? You know, really pinpointing these things. And for me, I'm a truth seeker, so I'm like, I want to get to the bottom of this. Like, I don't, personally, I also don't like being lied to. My son knows that with mom, it's like, honesty is always the best way. And mm -hmm. um, because I can, I can deal more with the truth than I can with the deception. Because this mm -hmm. deception causes so many extra layers, right? So then you just get entangled in this web. That's what deception is. It entangles, um, it entangles us in this web. And so... I knew that there's no way I wanted to be entangled anymore and I wanted to be set free. And so that's my encouragement for everyone listening is to not be entangled in his web, in the enemy's web. He's an opportunist. He will make you question what God says. He will twist the scriptures because he cannot speak the truth. He will trap us in our past because of our sin or the opposite. Or actually he'll make us think that sin isn't a big deal. It's mm -hmm. what's the big deal if you just do this? But when we go into that pattern or mindset, then we are already doing the comparison game because we're comparing ourselves to another person next to us or that we know, well, if so-and-so does it, what's the big deal? God still blesses them. And the enemy, again, does not have the bite. He just has the roar. And so that, again, points to his deception. And he also will try to isolate us. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to have others around you. Or he'll say, you're alone and nobody will understand you. Wow. Oh, okay. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Wow. So, so good. One oh, just relates my gosh. to so many things. And those of you that are listening, I hope that this just has been a breath of, like, fresh air, knowing that, like, it's not you it's the enemy mm, yes and like god is fighting for you jesus is walking with you um whether you see it or not i like i love the um image of oh well like walking through something really really hard it's like well i didn't see god through it it's like mm -hmm. you didn't see god through it because he was carrying you yes like or the footprints in the sand like and oh I didn't see two sets of footprints in the sand it's like, no because God is literally carrying you through the valley mm -hmm. of the shadow of death fear no evil because his rod and his staff they comfort you yes it's so true and 
you know, the way that we're supposed to live, Jesus sums it up in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. I'll just read it real quick. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That That's the answer to how to live this life and get through whatever the enemy tries to throw our way, always focusing and keeping our eyes on Jesus, but being aware of the enemy so that when he pops up and when he appears, we can quickly identify him to rebuke him or to realize that maybe we have partaken in something that has opened the door for him. But I've compared, and I'll just wrap it up with saying this, I've compared sin to you living in a house. Imagine a house with a lot of windows and doors. And when we blatantly sin, we are opening up a door and we're leaving it open or a window. So what happens after you've left enough doors and windows open? It's natural for something or someone to come in. So if we can imagine this in a spiritual sense, this is what the enemy does. He's looking for those open doors and open windows because those are the contracts with him. And that's why having a humble heart before God and repenting automatically mm -hmm. breaks those things and they cut the ties with the enemy, whether or not you knew, but also remembering that we should never take advantage of God's grace and use his forgiveness as a hall pass. That's not what he extends it to us for. He gives it to us because he is good and he's loving and he's merciful. But to take advantage, just imagine if a friend takes advantage of your kindness. How does that feel? It doesn't mm -hmm. feel good. So why would we think that God doesn't have emotion or he doesn't feel that kind of betrayal when he sees everything about us and he knows mm -hmm. everything? So it's just better to be honest with him and live in truth, his truth, so that we have power and authority that he's given us to be able to live and become, be overcomers in this world and in our lives that no matter what happens, hell or high water, we will have the victory because God has promised us the victory. And, and just an encouragement for everyone who may be looking around at the world thinking, what is happening? Where's God? Let me remind you, God is on the throne. He never moves. Yes. And he already wrote the story of how this all ends. And so it's up to us to decide if we're going to co-labor with him and come alongside of him. But we cannot have two masters. We cannot have the master of ourself or the master of money or the master of fame, career, success, and then Jesus. And Jesus is along for the ride. We need to do it his way or we're going to hit the highway. But when we hit the highway, it's a very bumpy, scary, long, dark road ahead. Wow, so much truth, so much wisdom. I hope that you guys just like soaked in as much as we did talking to Cynthia and just chatting about this. Um, something that I wanted to just say too is if you're in a season of life where you're looking for community or praying for community, um, Cynthia, and if you want to just talk about her gathering a little, a little bit, but that's something that your heart is desiring. Um, her gathering is a community for women to grow in their faith and their relationship with the Lord and, um, you know, be alongside other women also chasing after the same thing. And I don't know if you have anything you want to share, but oh, it's yeah, so great. I just, I just want women to know that um, Jesus will meet you where you're at. And that's my approach mm -hmm. with people. I'll meet them where they're at. It's okay if they're struggling to believe that God is real. It's okay to be upset with God. 
He can handle that. And so God has really helped me to have that perspective whenever I talk with someone is I don't come from a place of judgment. Um, God hates the sin, but he loves the person. And so that's my approach is I love people. I really love people. And I love people so much that I want to see them set free. I want to see them empowered. I want to see them have that aha moment to have this connection of, oh my gosh, this is why this has been happening in my life Mm -hmm. because I was that person. And when I had that moment, I didn't have anyone alongside of me, you know, helping me along the way. It was really me learning on my own. And so I want to be that woman for other women um, so that they can be encouraged and know that if God did this for me, he can do it for you. So yes, um, they can find out more at hergathering.org and we're on Instagram at hergathering. We just launched April, 2020 as the pandemic was starting (laughs) and it was just the perfect timing. It's such a God story. Um, And there's so many things that I'm excited to, you know, have the women of her gathering um, journey with me through because God has been just doing one thing after another, after another behind the scenes. And so bringing these teachings and really just speaking the truth, I have no agenda other than God's agenda. And I want people to know who Jesus really is and that the Holy Spirit is real and that God is on the throne and that it doesn't matter who wants to shout what they want to believe about God. It doesn't change what I know my God is. And that's the God that I want to introduce to other women. Oh my goodness. So, so good. Thank you so much for just your time. And um, I just like, thank the Lord for the work he's done and the miracles he's brought in your life. Mm-hmm. So then you can share those and be a vessel of the love, light and truth and mercy of Jesus. And like bring that to other women and just mm-hmm. be a vessel of the Holy spirit. So Cynthia, thank you so much. Yes. Thank, thank you please. so much. Like this was a revival to my heart. Yeah. I needed to hear all of this. So Amazing. thank you. God is so good. He works in mysterious ways. And it's no coincidence to all the listeners who are going to be tuning into this message. Mm. God is trying to speak to you. And, you know, again, we should be aware of the enemy, but we should focus on God. And his Mm -hmm. fingerprints are on all of our stories if we just stop to pay attention to look and see. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Um, Before we end today's episode, we just love to pray over... Um, everyone listening and just for your week, your heart, wherever you're at, like Jesus is with you, meeting you where you are, and he's always right there. It's just like the step of boldness and courage to meet him yeah, where he is right next to us. So, um, Cynthia, would you like to just like start us in prayer and TC and I will end? Sure thing, of course. Okay. Lord, we just thank you for this time. And Father, I just thank you that you are just our ever-present help in times of trouble. And Father, we just, we enter your gates with thanksgiving and praise, Lord. Um, We just thank you for who you are and what we know about you to be true, that the word says about you to be true, God. We believe that the Bible is just 100% your truth, God. And so, Lord, I just pray that every person that tunes into this, Lord, whether male or female, God, that they would know that it is your word that becomes our spiritual sword that we learn how to wield and use in times that we need it most, Father. And Lord, I just pray that more would come to know you without having to be in a situation that they feel that there is no other way. Father, you are 
you are so good. It is your loving kindness that draws people to repentance. And so, Father, I just pray for every heart, Lord, that has been struggling to know if you are good, that they would know in this moment and they would feel your presence, Lord, that you are good and that they just need to discover what it is about the lies that have been fed to them by the enemy or by others or they have believed themselves, God, so that they can identify the fingerprints of the enemy and quickly resolve that and bring it before your presence, Lord, and work that out with you, God, because you are a good God. You are not a God that is waiting to just kill people from your throne, Lord. Um, you are a God of many chances, Lord. And so, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for every person that is tuning in. I thank you for this message. I pray that it touches the hearts of many, Lord, and that you would be the one to bring hope and encouragement and more faith in such a time that we need it right now, Lord, because we need men and women to rise up during this very hour in history, Father, and wield that sword against the enemy who has been attacking this country in particular on all sides, God, but the world, Father God, it is under attack. But Lord, though 10,000 may fall dead at our side, as it says in Psalm 91, we will not be afraid because those who call you Father and those that you call your children, Lord, will be protected. So Father, I just thank you for all of this. And I just bless Tacey and Sydney, Lord, in and with this podcast, God, and in everything they do that you lead them and every person that is listening, Lord, that you may bless them and that they may have a holy fresh encounter with you this week or even today as they're listening, Lord. Lord, thank you so much um, just for your love and your grace and your truth. Um, but I just ask that it be in the hearts of those who are listening right now. And it is not by coincidence um, that they're listening to um, your word and your truth. God, I just ask that your presence fall upon them and um, they're able to walk um, through life throughout their week with um, just the heart posture of knowing that God is for them. Jesus, you're for us and you're walking with us and um, you don't leave us, Lord, but you're leading us um, and that the enemy is real, but God, um, so are you and you are the ultimate creator and um, everything is in your power and your authority and I just declare that over um, our listeners right now Lord and just the reminder that you are our shepherd Jesus and you make us lie down in green pastures and you lead us by still waters and you restore our souls so God to anyone listening right now um, just a revival in their heart and restore their souls and spirits and um, be with them. Jesus, we love you and we're thankful for you. Dear Lord, um, thank you so much for this time, God. Thank you so much for bringing Sydney and Cynthia um, to just be in a mentorship relationship, God, so that I was able to be introduced to Cynthia as well and just hear you speak through her so abundantly, God. I just pray that for anyone listening, Lord, that they just know that you are freedom, God, that the victory is ours because of what you sent your son to do, Jesus, that there is nothing that is too heavy for you to free any of us from, Lord, and we just praise you for that. We praise you for your goodness, for your almighty power, God, that you're with us and you're for us through anything and everything, Lord, and we can stand our guard against the enemy. It is in your glorious name we pray. Amen. Amen.
All right, sweet gal, we love you, and we're praying for you, and we can't wait to hear from you. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Check out our Instagram at honeycomb.podcast for more encouragement and love throughout the week. You are so loved. Can't wait to chat with you soon. Love your honeycomb gals.